Welcome in. We're so glad to have you on the deep end tonight. Very special discussion called Unity in the Gospel, a civil discussion. And I'm so excited to be here tonight. I hope you are too. Welcome to the deep end. Okay, welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. I have been looking forward to this conversation since we scheduled it early this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> what time? There you go. A couple hours ago. It's been a long three hours since we scheduled this. But anyway, welcome in to everybody on YouTube, on Facebook, and um, on the radio, WEZE, Family 590 Boston, and 99.5 in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. So glad that you are all here. Um, I am joined in studio with two friends and brothers in Christ, and I want to introduce them to you. To my immediate right is John Walker. He's a vice principal, assistant principal yep. at Central High School in Providence, Rhode Island. Yes, sir. And he is my tennis buddy. He is my uh, tennis buddy. I, he, I push you a lot and, and beat you usually. He loses so, so often. <laughs> I lost count. Wow. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad to be here and, and really have an opportunity to kind of speak and, and try to, again, remember again what it's all about. So. Yes, and yep. so thank you for being here. You are... Um, not on staff at Waters Church, and you've been at Waters Church for eight years. Yes, I used to be on staff. We had a wonderful time, but my family and I were getting ready to move to Philadelphia. No, no, you were never on staff. No, 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 no staff. You were in the uh, small group groups leading. and very blessed. Uh, several children, and so we got an opportunity to work in the, in the youth group and, and different things, working with the kids. And we've just been so thankful for Waters and what it's meant to our family. So it's, it's just another one of these opportunities, I feel like, just getting to speak again to our, our community about what God's doing, and again, how how great um, we've been um, so thankful for all the things happening here at Waters. Amen. And then to his right is Marty Martinez. Marty McNeil, sorry. Marty McNeil. Martinez McNeil. <laughs> all of them. Better learn his name. Have of the same letters in your name. It really, the, the alliteration is very hard for me. Anyway, Martinez McNeil. Creative Arts Director at Norwood, and we're glad to have you back on the deep end. And both of you have been on the deep end before, and so back glad again. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. You were with us for the uh, question and answer, I think, yes, for, for COVID-19. COVID. And then before that, weren't you on another one in the beginning of COVID? Yes. The uh, lockdown. So glad to have you. Over with the media team is Chris McEwen. Uh, he will be listening for or watching for your questions on all of our outlets uh, with our other the other members of our team, and we're so thankful for our team. Uh, it wasn't their fault. The technical difficulties. I would like to, <laughs> I would like to make that clear. They were ready, and the ser streaming service that we have went down. But anyway, welcome in. So we're going to have a discussion. We're going to have a discussion. We're going to answer questions about this cultural moment. And I really, you know, I joked about when we scheduled this conversation, which was earlier this afternoon, because I didn't want to do this conversation reactionary. I didn't want to just say, oh, the real cool thing right now is to have the white guy with the black guys talking because of this moment. And I really struggled with that because I don't want to seem like the only time we ever want to talk is when this happens, you know, and so important to remind people, you've been on the podcast before, you've been on the podcast before, we've talked about education and mm -hmm. parents' role in their education on this show. And um, so that isn't what we do. You know, oh, right. we haven't done that. And so once I put that together in my head, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, of course we can bring them. <laughs> of course we can do this moment because it's not uh, the word that keeps going. Yeah, it's not just reacting to culture. It's saying, OK, look, we are the church yeah. and our church is multicultural yeah. to a high level. And yeah. people don't realize that. Uh, Nord particularly, um, but also North Attleboro in relationship to its demographics, its regional mm -hmm. and, and, and um, 
what do you want to call it, town-ish demographics. We are far more multicultural than what our uh, context represents. Same with Norwood. Yes. And it's beautiful. And that is the gospel taking root in people's hearts where we can come together from all different walks of life, realizing that I know we talk about being different, but we're really the same in that we are human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sons That's of it. Noah, That's sons it. of Adam. That's yes. it. And then most importantly, sons of our Father in heaven. So we want to talk and we want to answer your questions. And we want, I, first off, I want to let you guys talk because I, I will talk the whole time if I don't. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you can talk the whole time. And we know Martinez, he can preach. And he's not, not only can he preach, but this guy can sing, sing the roof yeah, off the oh house. Oh my goodness. Very blessed. And I told yeah. him that's enough gifts from heaven. <laughs> that's enough. I, <laughs> we're going to yeah. spread that out. <laughs> but anyway, he and his wife, both beautiful singers and worshipers and worship leaders for our church. And so anyway, talk and tell me, and maybe just inform where are you guys at uh, with this cultural moment? What's, happening for you and how are you responding to it as a Christian and as a brown man, okay, and a black man? Because I do want to specify that. Brown, white mother, black father, who, when they got together, stop shaking your head. When they got together, (laughs) it was countercultural. And you talked about that with me before. Yeah. So I want you to speak. You don't have to go through the whole history if you want to. You can, but I want you to speak to that. And then, Marty, your your perception as well as a black man. So let's go, John. You first. He likes to throw things at me. I I wasn't ready for that. That's okay. (laughs) Um, No, I think again that this all has to go in the backdrop of as Christians. If you don't have the love of Christ in your heart to deal with these topics that are so. I'm I, honestly, I'm thankful that they are at the the importance right now in our community. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we're talking. I'm glad I saw one of the people saying something about praying about it for two weeks. I'm very um, hopeful that these conversations will lead to to changes that will be positive for all people, but uh, specifically our black community. Um, so again, it wasn't by accident that I wore my clean shirt today, my Martin Luther King Jr. shirt, mm-hmm. because again, I think about the significance that he's had in all of our lives. But when I think even specifically about me, those opportunities that he provided and, and worked for so hard, again, was out of his love for God. If, if he his doesn't up. have Christ in his heart, he was the reverend. He, he had to work really hard to become a reverend. Yes, it did. wasn't just a title that was thrown on his name. And so um, I think all of our conversation today is in that backdrop of as Christian men, as Christian people, how we can help our communities see the love of Christ in all of this and how we can kind of grow together. So um, as far as being brown, um, I think that was something where I never had the choice of selecting a group to be in. It was having a white mother who was ostracized from her family for marrying my father and having a father who every time he had an issue with his white wife, his family members would say, you should probably move on. Um, So it was one of those things where, um, and, and then growing up as a young person, it was never like, oh, hey, you're brown. I'm going to be nicer to you. It was like, no, I'm treating you just like I treat anybody who looks different than me. And so I I dealt with a lot of um, interesting situations within the church. And so Mm. I understand right now the frustration that we have too about, well, I I love God, but I see things I don't like in the church. How do I go about this? And and we're really trying to push people to get on their knees and pray. I think if anyone saw the uh, news coverage today of George Floyd's funeral, what an amazing display of the love of Christ Mm. with all of this stuff going on. I was so thrilled to see the name of Jesus being lifted up in the midst of this craziness that yes, there's been looting, there's been fires, there's been riots, but there's also been people rising up to say, 
enough is enough. We need to, to make real changes to help our entire community mm -hmm. and to see people of faith today just living out Jesus on the stage. I, I loved it. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your mm -hmm. turn. Yes. My turn. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I, so in response to George Floyd's death, um, as a black man, the first response was anger. Yep. Um, it was, how could this happen? How could this be happening again? Um, it's now gone beyond being an incident and it's now kind of a pattern, a regular um, occurrence. So that was very bothersome for me. The first few days I was very quiet. Um, just sort of sorting through emotions. I like to keep quiet and process and feel my way through things. And um, then I took to social media, um, fueled by my emotions. Yeah. I was angry. I was upset. Um, I was hurt. I was bothered. I, there were certain parts of rage, just all these different emotions. Um, and they were now fueling my social media posts. And it actually took someone to have a conversation with me. Um, oddly enough, a white man. Uh-oh. Um, right. Right. Um, a white man <laughs> said to me, um, I, I know you. I love you. Trust me. I get your anger. I don't personally understand it, but I get how you would feel that way. I'm upset. I'm bothered too. But be careful with your posts. I never want someone to see your posts and think that that's who you are. Mm -hmm. That that emotion, that rage, that the, the emotions that you're processing through kind of publicly. Yeah. Um, I never want that to cloud your witness. I never want that to cloud your ability to speak the gospel or to witness to someone yeah. um, based off of an emotional response to this. Um, that led me to my knees. Yeah. God help me. God help me not to be angry. Um, help my words not to be angry. Help my actions not to be angry. And it's literally only by God's grace that my um, perspective hasn't changed. But now my voice, my public voice, I'm, I'm pushing Jesus, I'm pushing unity, I'm pushing love everyone while standing. Black lives do matter. Um, they definitely do. I'm a black man and my life matters. But before that, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. So my response to this can't be what the world's response is. Right. Um, I'm reminded of Romans 12 and 2, you know, that we not fall into what the world is doing, the world's response, the world's pattern. Yep. Um, but we should respond as the kingdom of God. And that can't be hate for hate. Yep. You know what I mean? That can't be anger for anger. Um, God calls us to love. And so we have to do that. That's the only way. Um, I said to Tim in conversation that if tomorrow morning racism was eradicated, every white person loved every black person, and every black person loved every white person, the world would still be in shambles. Absolutely. There would still be a whole long list of Absolutely. issues that we need to fix and yes. face. Um, they're all important. Again, black lives are super important. I am a black man, but that is not the only issue that the world is facing. Um, and the bottom line is all of the issues that we face today trace back to the condition of the heart of man Yes, yes. Um, that we can't fix, that yes. we don't have the ability to change, but only God can um, through the love of Jesus and salvation by his grace. Um, yes. So that's my stance on this. We have to respond as the church first and, and learn to um, allow our responses in conversation on social media to not be emotional. Yeah. Um, it's okay to have the emotions, but when those emotions start driving you, and your conversations, then you're saying and doing things that you can't take back. You're severing relationships. You're yeah. all from this one emotion. And so when this dies down and things kind of happen and we move forward, um, you've now severed relationships. You've now broken friendships. Yes. You've now kind of made all these permanent changes based off of a temporary emotion. A temporary emotion. Yes. So then do you turn back and try to rebuild the bridge that you've burned down? Yes. Or do you just keep going because you're too prideful? It's just a whole, yes. you know? Well, and I think the thing that I appreciate what you said in there too was the fact that somebody took the time to speak to you about it, yes. right? Not just tell you you were wrong and mm -hmm. yell at you and, and find another way on social media to go at you. 
they actually took the time to have a conversation. Yeah. And so I think another thing that I see, uh, some of my young people in, were involved in the protest with the Black Lives Matter, and it gave me an opportunity to talk From your to school. Them, right? Yeah, from my, from my school that I work at. And so it gave me an opportunity to actually reach out to them and have a conversation about this is how you peacefully protest. Yeah. This is how you get yeah. your things that matter to you and mean so much and not have to deal with the negatives of yes. it. This is you stepping up and standing in that spot to really say it's not just about you, but it's your community. Yes. And so from that, having those conversations, I thought we, we had some really good moments. Um, and so, again, I think I look at it from the biggest picture that I can, which is seeing it from the standpoint of, yes, there's been horrible tragedies that have occurred in our nation for generations. And right now is a moment for us as a Christian community to come to say, this is how we are different because yeah. of our love, because yeah. of our, because Christ put it inside of us. We can give it to anyone, no matter what they look mm -hmm. like. And, and that's what we're trying to live out every day. Well, that concludes this conversation. <laughs> I think you guys have just basically covered the whole thing. No, no. Um, amazing things to hear you guys say. And again, is the body of Christ being the body of Christ yeah. because Jesus is not an ethnic savior. Right. He is not the white man's savior or mm -hmm. the black man's savior. He is the savior of the world. This is what he has the power to do. Now you talk about, and you, you, you said it so rightly about the emotional response mm -hmm. and how Christians have got to, and this is so important to hear, filter their emotions through the word. Every, and I and I wrote this blog, and a lot of people are commenting on it, and a lot of people have whipped into a frenzy over it. And I, we can get into that later, but the only thing I want to talk about is that there is a ton of emotion that people come at me with that I say, you haven't filtered this through the word yet, because what does the word constantly do? It addresses our emotion. Yep. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, Psalm 1611. So when I'm depressed, I got to get into the presence of God to receive his joy, right? When I am anxious, what? Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God shall, you know, yeah. uh, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So the answer to the anxiety emotion is the word of God. Um, all, all other kinds of emotion. We could go through the depressions and the Psalms yeah. and the sadness of David and all these things. And they keep coming back to the word so that the word shapes the emotions instead of letting the emotions shape our lives. Because if we don't, if we don't let the word speak to our emotions, we will do exactly what you said, Marty. It is so important to hear, especially young people, because I know you're doing this. And I've heard from your parents that you're doing this because your parents have not jumped on the social justice bandwagon that you perceive is right right now because yeah. of the, they're a different generation. Right. Yeah. But I think and then but let me just finish the thought. And then you start attacking your parents, lecturing your parents, mm. maybe misunderstanding your parents or maybe even just kind of like thinking your parents are racist. And now your parents are getting hurt by your thoughts or your perceptions of them. And that is causing, like you just said, a divide that you are going to have to mend at some mm. point past this moment. No, I hear that. It's just, again, my expertise or what I've been doing for so many years now is working with young people. And, and now I have the pleasure of having a 15 year old myself and and there is this idea that well i can search out anything and i can learn all this history and i understand everything and yeah you need to listen to me um and what is so great as as the generation above them that has this more knowledge as parents we can listen to our kids it doesn't mean that we're saying that they're right or we're, we're just taking a moment to listen to them instead of just 
flatly refusing what they're saying. And, and even um, some of the protesters in the Black Lives Matter, one of their biggest frustrations is they feel like no one is listening. And mm -hmm. so they turn into the shouting and screaming and, and the person on the other side is, well, you're not letting me talk. Right. But if we're trying to provide a platform so young people can talk to their parents who love them so much and then that parent can respond in love. And, and it's I, think, I, I agree. But I have also heard from parents and it's no, not I hear it's you. not talking. It's yep. not in some ways. It's not just saying, hey, mom and dad, this is what I learned or this is because, listen, we we know this. There's knowledge and then there's wisdom. No, I'm 100 percent. Google yeah. and Wikipedia yep. can give you knowledge, knowledge and yeah. sometimes fake knowledge. Let's yeah. be honest. Wikipedia mm -hmm. is, uh, you know. Yeah, an unmitigated disaster in some respects, but it also doesn't give you wisdom. It doesn't give you how do I process this knowledge right. into relating to people? No, I hear that. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm just saying, especially as a parent of a teenager, it's providing them an environment where they feel safe enough to bring those things to you. And I and I hear that there's times where you feel like, wait, did you just call me this or did you? Yeah, think but I you've didn't know got that? a teenager. Now right. here's the thing that yep. I'm hearing from the 20 year olds. Yeah, the 20 year olds that are coming at mom and dad, and it's very, it's getting very discon disconcerting is very contentious. It's almost as if, yeah. you know, and this is the, the, the impetus behind um, me writing that blog. And again, I don't want to spend time on there was to see people getting hurt because they weren't immediately jumping on the bandwagon of the black lives matter movement. And I'm not talking about the mantra and the value. Okay. Right. Because of course we believe that black lives do in fact matter. Yeah. They right. are equal in worth and dignity to every other race they they have this injustice they have experienced these injustices that you know we can't undo the past but we can work forward for a better future for yeah. them yep yeah. specifically moving forward and we will and we've got to listen and we've got to do things that are more intentional mm -hmm. yeah that's, okay that's it while at the same time letting letting the aged people among us not immediately feel vilified if they don't jump on right away and feel like they are not with it or they are not woke or they are not whatever they need to be to make sure that their kids respect them. The Bible calls children to honor father and mother without qualification, Period. Mm -hmm. without qualification. Yeah. yeah. So it's not when your parents are woke, then you can honor them. No, no it's, it's <laughs> the, yeah. the, the laws of God are not qualified by someone else's behavior. Even the law of forgiveness is not wait till mm -hmm. they ask for forgiveness. And then you forget. No, no, forgive as the Lord Jesus forgave you. There are millions of sins that I've, that I've committed against God that I have never asked for forgiveness for. He mm -hmm. forgave me of them all. And that's the, that's the point that I want to make about that. But I don't want to, again, dominate the conversation because it's so important that we hear from each other and we hear about this situation from, from a multicultural yeah. background. No, they even had, um, I'm trying to remember, I should know all my councilwomen and, and their names, but it is, again, there's a break between the generations and we're really trying to have some platform to be able to speak and it has to be respectful. So again, for young people out there too, as you're speaking to your parents, just like you said, there, there has to be a, a level of a respect, respect as, you, as you're interacting with them. And people. maybe your parents will have a more tenored approach to this that helps you with the more knowledgeable approach to this. Maybe mm -hmm. the more, again, the, maybe the more informed approach to this. Okay, because I do think that, and here's the only problem that I have with that, though, is that young people only see many people through the lens of social media. Yep. Yeah. And they have never actually walked hand in hand with right. people. You and I, okay. Mm -hmm. We are like really good friends. Yep, yep. Okay. We play tennis all the time. I win. I was at. <laughs> you have to sneak that in. <laughs> you snuck in the other stuff. Okay, so anyway. You threw me off on that one. But that's okay. I was at your house the other night. Yep. Uh, you know, we have fellowshipped for years mm -hmm. and we have had um, discussion about how we see things differently, mm -hmm. but you have helped shape me yeah, to see too, yep. the world through a lens that I didn't see. 
And I trust I've done that for you. Yep. But at the same time, it's always been respectful. And here's why. Because we didn't do it through, and I don't have one. Uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't do it through this. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. believe John posted that. Bam. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And Talk. that, unfortunately, is what has become the acceptable form of relationships, causing us to incorrectly assume that we know people. Yep. Yes. When we don't. That's it. Yeah. So we're going to answer questions tonight, and I, and I think we should get to the questions because it's going to open up more discussion points that we want to get to. So Chris is over there. He's got the discussion questions ready for us. We're going to hopefully get them on the screen for you, and let's head into the discussion. Uh, what's the question we got over there, Chris? So I'll go with the first one we have. I don't know if we're ready to go on the screen with this one, but the, the rest should be. But as a Christian, how should we be looking at Black Lives Matter, uh, the protests? Is it wrong to be teaching uh, the up-and-coming generation not to see color, but to see the human being. How can we be vocal about making lives count, but doing it in a way that honors God? I mean, you guys have been touching on that, but if you want to elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, as a Christian, how should we be looking at the Black Lives Matter protests? Let's start with that one question first, as a Christian. Now, I've expressed my thoughts about, and my sentiments, and you can talk about this, my sentiments about the Black Lives Matter official movement, mm -hmm. which I wrote a blog to that, again, is only for 73 people. I have 73 subscribers to this blog. I never expected this you to You might get a off. lot more after this. I might. I don't, I don't know if I want them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I wrote it in response to our staff being confused about, you know, why are we not going to do the hashtag Black Lives Matter because it's really in and it's in vogue. I said, okay, because I know the foundations of this movement and we have had a conversation about this before. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing happened. And I said, and then I just showed you guys the what we, what we believe page from their, from their website and it um, sparked this blog, but it also helped you guys navigate through these waters, probably difficult, difficult with difficulty. Mm -hmm. And Marty, you were talking about that earlier. So speak to that. Yes, um, I prior to being made aware of kind of what the beliefs were behind the movement, um, I was all for it. I'm all for it as a black man. And then once you identify um, that the beliefs or the standards of something don't line up with who you are as a believer, as a Christian, as a child of God, um, at that point, there has to be a decision that's made. Yeah. yeah. Um, the moment you become, the moment you gain knowledge, you're accountable. Yeah. Um, prior to knowing, you know, not your fault, but the moment that, you know, um, it really comes down to taking a stand. And in this, um, do I go with what's popular in this time and kind of what is happening and what the fad is um, as a means to be relevant and be woke and be inclusive included? Or do I do what's unpopular and stand by my beliefs and stand for what I know is right and for what the true convictions of my heart are? Um, and it's never easy when you take a stand for right. Um, it's never easy, especially when I believe that a lot of individuals who read the blog um, probably read the first paragraph or two and then stopped. Yeah, um, they stopped. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm offended. Off. I'm done. Yep, I'm, yeah. I'm offended. I'm done. Um, they didn't get to the second to last paragraph um, that I believe it starts with. Not only um, I don't just believe that Black Lives Matter, and then you went on to say that we're called of God, we're blessed, we're favored, we're your brothers, you and are sisters. image bearers. In, Image of my father. Yes. I mean, you are your siblings. Yeah. And so by at the end of that paragraph, I was like, yes, I'm black. <laughs> like I'm a black <laughs> man. You know? um, it made me feel good, but I feel like people didn't read the entire blog. And um, when you're already angry about what's kind yeah. of been happening. Yep. And as we said, you're filtering your responses and your reactions through that anger. Um, when things first happen, you experience emotions, but to be angry continuously, that takes effort. 
Yes. That's a decision. Yes. I'm going to be mad about this until I'm ready to not be mad about it. You literally have to make an effort. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, I'm mad at this or I'm mad about this. Um, so why we would choose that? Because I don't like to be angry. Yeah. I'm an easygoing guy. I like to be happy. If I could be happy all the time, I would be smiley, all of that. But that's not the reality of life. But if I can choose to choose joy and to choose to focus on God and realize that, yes, there's terrible injustice. Yes, George Floyd's life was taken. Yes, he's a black man and I'm a black man too. But at the end of the day, I serve God. Yep. Um, I serve God and he has he is the end all and the be all. And if I say that I serve him and if I sing about him, how dare me not trust him yeah. to help me through this, to keep me safe through this, to navigate my emotions through this so that in my expressions, I'm not offending him. I'm not offending my brothers. I'm not making anyone feel alienated. It's easy to um, kind of be a part of this and support the idea that black lives matter, but it's difficult to do it without alienating white people yeah. or other races. And so the church not choosing a side... <clears throat> Um, the second you choose and that's a the side, point. that was the point. We're not choosing a side no. because you already know the side is Christ. We're standing, yes. we're standing for God. Yes. We're standing, because the second you choose a side, it further creates division. Correct? Yeah, and there's already division. So division begets division, which begets more yeah. division. Um, so I'm all for standing for God, standing for the kingdom of God, and um, that's that. And if the truth is shared, and you said this in our staff meeting, if the truth is shared and people leave the church because the truth is shared, the problem is with them, not the church or yeah. the truth. Yeah. And that's the point. That mm-hmm. was a beautiful point. Uh, it was it actually the whole staff was like, "Whoa, mic drop!" You know, it was an amazing moment. Yep. Let me go back to this next part of the question, though. Okay, because this is important too, and we've talked about this as well. Is it wrong to be teaching the up and coming generation to not see color but to see a human being? Because this whole thing, I am colorblind, and I, I don't say that I'm colorblind. I don't. Yeah. I love the colors. I want yeah. the colors. The colors are God's ideas. Beautiful. So, what do you guys say? from your perspective about the question, is it wrong to be teaching the up and coming generation to not see color, but to see a human being? Again, I have opportunity to work with a lot of young people. And for me, the bigger perspective isn't to say, you know, your color or your gender, but about your worth and, and really trying to explain to young people that they have worth. And yes, I want to let them know too, they have their worth in, in, in God, but we have so many young people who don't see why they matter. And so again, we're talking about black lives matter. I have young ladies who don't see why they matter in the, in my Hispanic community that I work with as well. And so it's just so many young people that are trying to figure out why they should be matter in this world, whether they have enough Twitter followers or mm. whatever the mm. things are that the, the, I still don't understand that, that word matter. Right. And we, it really yeah. comes back to that. And so we really are trying to inject them with this, idea that the decisions that they make, the life that they have, these things are, they do matter. And Mm -hmm. just because they don't have the fame and the fortune and all those things, the very, the breath that they have is, is a blessing. And Mm -hmm. to see it like that, um, you know, I've had opportunity to work with kids who've come from very tough countries and come into this world and to this place. And they see America as this wonderful opportunity. Mm. And then I've had young people who come in and see everyone as against them. Everyone's fighting them and holding them back. Mm -hmm. And, and the, 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 the thing that has been so effective for both groups of those people is to just see them where they are and connect with them. And as I think individuals. As individuals who, again, because we know that Christ cares so much about them and loves them so much that they're in my life and in our lives to be able to be a blessing to them. So it's it's something I honestly constantly remember. So I'm, again, I'm not trying to avoid answering that question, but I'm trying to say it's a bigger than that. It's bigger than to not see black and white, it, it's to see the heart, to see them as Christ sees them. And, and that's the biggest piece of advice I got from my father. 
He was in a, in a segregated South, the black and the white or the colors and, and the white. And, and he lived that whole life. And to see him today, he is not a bitter man. He loves God with all of his heart and his mind because he sees people as Christ sees them. And so that's something I really take from my father is not to, to carry around this bitterness of police officer did this to me when I was a kid. He did this to me. Yeah. Those are all true things that do, do happen in our community. Yeah. But how do we go out and love them? Because yeah. I'm telling you, I know a whole bunch now, of cops who've made a difference in, in my kids' lives at Central High School. So. And some of the people that are asking me about the Black Lives Matter thing, and this is the last thing we're going to talk about it, though, uh, is that, well, I don't have to agree with everything that somebody believes in order to support what I can agree with. Mm. And I hear that, but you have to understand that there are things that they actually believe and want to promote that are going to further exacerbate the problems that the black community are experiencing, mm -hmm. which is a lack of the family unit yep. that historically has proven to be the bedrock of societal order. Not government. No. Not, not even the church. The family. God the didn't family create structure. the church before the family. He created the family before the church. Yeah. In yep. fact, thousands of years before the church, yep. right? And then how does God work uh, redemptively through the narrative of scripture? Family, Abraham family, Noah family, well, Noah family, Abraham family, then uh, God's family, uh, Jesus's family, right? And, and we've got to remind ourselves, fathers, mothers matter. Mm -hmm. In fact, I love the mantra, black moms matter, black dads matter, mm. black parents matter, because I think that's a lot of times, and you guys can speak to this more than I can, and you, especially with the, with the young people, that's what's missing. And that's what's hard for a lot of black people in our society right now. Speak to it. Speak to it freely. I mean, tell me what's up. The, um, the, the lack of family structure yep. um, and speaking in terms of mom, dad, and children, um, the traditional family, um, historically um, has been present in the black community. And so when things at home aren't aligned properly or the way that God would have had them to, um, we can't expect that the unit itself would function the way that it's supposed to and thrive the way that it's supposed to when vital pieces are missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. For generations. For generations. Yeah. Um, fatherless generations. Yep. Um, it's not like a new generation that just all of a sudden has no fathers. No, this is a cycle. It's a system. Um, and coming out of that system, oftentimes you find yourself right back in it yep. um, and perpetuating that cycle. Um, so where is the line where we really step back and say, um, yes, racism is an issue, but there are also so many other layers to this thing um, yes. that we as the black community yes. need to address Yes, um, on our own, with or without whether white people support it or not. We as a community have to stop and say, these are our issues. These are our problems, irregardless of how they happen. Yes, we came here in slaves, but yes. I don't have chains on now. Right. So how am I living my life? How am I changing? How Am I, what example am I being to my daughters, yeah. um, you know, as a black person to let them know that, yes, this is what society may think or say, but who are you? Um, yes, you, we need to see color. Yeah. I am a black man. You can, I am six foot two and a half. You cannot <laughs> miss the fact that I'm black. <laughs> um, I was having a conversation with Kathy, our church accountant. Shout out to Kathy. Yeah, uh, we Kathy. were talking about yard work. I wanted to have a patio laid in my backyard. And um, she said, I was looking for someone to do it. And she goes, oh, well, if you like pass a nice house in Medfield, just pull over and knock on the door and ask them who did, <laughs> who did it. And I said, He's laughing immediately. Yeah, see, and I had to wait man. because you told me this before. But yeah, anyway. I, I said, Kathy, no, I am a six foot black man doing that. driving a black Tahoe. I cannot just walk up to a door 
in Medfield and knock on it and say, who did your patio? Uh, How about again, the time I got lost going to your house, man? I got scared, man. You're afraid. Oh, right? I'm telling you, that's in my own town. Oh, so. please, you live like down the uh, road from me. I know, me. man. <laughs> but again, that just shows you that although we work together, although we worship together, we yep. live in different Americas. Yep. Um, and the goal is to unite us, all of us. And hey, how about that? That was another thing that made me so excited about the, the CNN thing, or sorry, whatever channel you were watching it on, maybe The me. George Floyd um, funeral. But when I saw the George Floyd funeral, I really, in my mind, I know how segregated our churches are. Yeah. And the idea that there's so many people who've never even seen a black funeral service, like they've never been experienced the fact that it really can be a celebration of the man's life. But again, with the emphasis on Christ. And I think that's something that us as a, as a Christian community, we can show how to break down these walls. Except for Al Sharpton's political diatribe, which he we, did sneak in. He did sneak we, in. He can't resist. We as, a, <laughs> we as a community can figure out a way. And, and it, I really think of it, if we're following Christ, we need to be the leaders to say, yeah. yes, Black Lives Matter. Yes, we're going to show you how we can break down these barriers and come together yeah. so that we don't have to feel worried yeah. about coming to someone's house and knocking on, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah. there's a long way to go with that, but yes. there's just a, a reality that right now, as crazy as everything is, I, I really think God set that up for us. I really do. Mm. And, and no, man, I'm, I'm so sorry for the families that experienced yeah. that loss of George Floyd. But you think about another time in our history where we haven't had the distractions. There's no sports, there's no school, there's yes, all yeah. these things not Good going problem. on. And this happens Huge in that problem. moment. And the country literally goes, it's the now only, we're noticing. It's the now only thing we had to right. react to. And I'm sitting there going, thank you. Let's see if Let's we can actually make change. You know? yeah. I don't want my cities yeah. burning down. I don't understand. We do protests and then destroy our the own so, communities. I know, they destroy yeah. the black communities. But then there's been evidence too that there's been some people in there who are trying They've to shut shifted. down governments and, mm. and all that other stuff. So, but again, that's that's the conversation with the young people to say this isn't the this way. Isn't and that's why I say yeah. this young people, you've got to listen to your elders. I hear that. Because they yeah, do absolutely. have another perspective that they right. can bring to witness in this conversation. Not saying you're wrong. Not right. saying Not you're saying wrong. Because the argument right. is they're saying well, this is still messed up. Yeah. And you're like, yes, it, it is. Because we talk is. about the war on poverty that started in the 1960s. How how can we say as a country that we're doing better with the war? We're not doing we're not. better. Listen, in fact, I'm it exacerbated the problem yeah. and made it worse so for we, many black people. I can understand why they're saying I'm angry, right? So now, what do we do going forward? And that that's what excites me. I take that and, and we I look had, at it and see opportunity. And we talked about this right before we got on, which was how does it help empower mentally and spiritually and emotionally an entire race? And I hate race because it's humans are all mm. one human race. Okay, so an entire ethnic group or whatever you want to say. How does it empower them when you have to tell that one ethnic group that unless this other ethnic group helps you and gives you stuff, you can't mm. possibly get to where you need to be? How does that yeah. empower them to feel valuable? And that's where I see the disconnect in many respects when we talk about empowering black people to succeed. Because we keep telling them um, the white man is keeping you down, and unless he gives you stuff, you cannot achieve. You mm -hmm. cannot succeed. That's the breakdown for me. Mm -hmm. Can you can you speak? To and me? the beginning of, um, or not the beginning, the continuation of that broken family structure. Right. Because now, when the income comes from the government, government. and the government. groceries come mm -hmm. from the government, yes. and the money for food and everything else comes from the government, then mom over time will start to not now look at dad the same way or respect him the same That's way, right. which end in broken marriages and broken relationships. Right. Another generation of fatherless homes, which we see the effects of. Um, so, which brings me for well, let me just interrupt. Which brings me back to the um, 
uh, garden because Adam gets a job before he gets a wife. Yes. And yes. all this stuff matters. <laughs> yes. All this order matters. Yeah. But Strategic. Go, but continue. It's, it's I'm sorry. I just want to sneak that in. Um, so the, the disruption there in that order, um, we're seeing the results of that. Mm-hmm. We are seeing the results of that in um, the, not to say that if you come from a broken home, you can't be successful and contribute yeah. to society. Um, but historically and statistically, yeah. we see um, that the maybe issues in education or incarceration rates are higher for individuals who come from those broken homes. And like you're saying, it's, it's interesting. We we know that, but unfortunately, the only statistics that go out there is, oh, look, if you're a black male, this is your percentage of going to jail or this mm-hmm. is your percentage of dropping out of school. Well, why don't we say if you come in a, a family that's intact, if you have a mother and a father, Thank this you. is what your look yes. of success yeah. will look like. Forget about the color. Throw the color out yes. and yeah. say this is how important the Thank families you. are. If you want to be and, successful. Yeah. No, and that was it. And that's what my father, his... He put that in me. He said, John, this is what matters. Being a father, being there for your children. And I've been blessed. I have five wonderful kids. And I know that it's my responsibility to provide for them so that they can then go and continue to work on breaking these generational curses to say, no, this is our opportunity looking at America with all that it's got. Um, So you're absolutely right. The family structure is so big. Um, We got another question. Let's get Yeah, we do. And, uh, and this is a good one because a lot of people online have been being accused if they don't say anything, then they're being called racist. But I'll read the question. It says, if I'm not protesting, am I supporting the racists? If I'm appalled by the vulgarity posts on social media about cops, am I supporting the abuse of police officers? So if I'm not saying anything, am I complicit in being a racist? Okay. I can speak that first. Yeah, go for it. Um, I made a post maybe last week. Um, saying, basically speaking to how people are responding to this. Mm-hmm. Um, many people are taking a stand in many different ways. Some people are posting on social media. Some people are having one-on-one conversations. Some people are protesting. Whatever your way is, do that. Um, don't feel pressured to post or to respond anyway mm. if you're not comfortable doing so. And this even is for black people to black people. You don't get to bully how I stand. Mm-hmm. You don't get to tell me how to take my stand, Ooh, how to good. use my voice. You don't get to do that. Not Amen. to me, not to a white person or anyone else. And if the basis of your friendship is dependent on whether somebody puts a black square on Facebook or not, is that was there ever a real friendship Correct. or a real relationship? Um, and the same goes for churches and worship and people and not taking stands. If you're able to sever a relationship with a person or a church based off this one isolated incident, what was the significance of that relationship to begin with? Yes. Was it ever real? Were you ever connected? Were you ever really friends? Because if so, you're not just able to walk away and cut off and dismiss. If there's an issue, you lay your gift down, you come, you discuss Hallelujah. it with your brother, and then you come back and pick up your gifts. We can't preach over mess. We can't sing over mess. We can't try to serve over confusion. We have to get, th- that's the basics. Right. Yes. That is, I'm getting People, excited. And no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> getting you're excited right. and on. Um, But before black and white, before racism, we have to be believers. We have to conduct yeah. our as Christians. So we can't completely disregard all of the principles that God has given us the Bible to fight for racism, to stand against racism. Doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it is, it is, it is a pressure situation. My, I wrote the blog also in response to the fact that my daughter had been unfriended 
by 10 or so of her friends because she didn't post the black square. Yeah. This is the See? world we're living in. Yeah. This is the not-so-crazy social media generation we are living in, and it hurts people's feelings. Yep. And I don't care if people have a, uh, a predilection to say, I'm not going to agree with everything, but I'm going to post. That's your right to post, and I do not rule your social media, right. mm-hmm. and I don't want to. But don't shame and don't unfriend and don't cause relational strife simply because somebody says, you know what, I'm not comfortable posting that thing because I have this perception. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we've got to get over this stuff. This has got to stop. This madness has got to stop. And we've got to be, like you just said, brothers and sisters and know that the, that we, our relationship together cannot, the world, we cannot let the world come in no. and separate us. Yeah. And I know, I get it. I hear you young 20-year-olds that this isn't just the world, this is justice. I get it. Justice, justice, justice. I'm all for justice. But until you have the gospel preached into the heart of people, you will only have superficial justice. Right. And and I think even that sliding into the, the police conversation, I think for me as a man of color, the police, it was not a good experience growing up, um, having different situations and guns pulled out, all that kind of crazy stuff growing up. But then I got to work in a school and I got to know the school resource officer intimately, yeah. like just got to see the way he interacted with our kids and the way he made himself known to the community. Yeah. And it was that that kind of relationship. And it, it just made me really appreciate what he did. And from that, the lens and my perspective of how I looked at police really changed. And and obviously there are some police officers who take it too far. But there's Absolutely. so many other police officers who have such self-control yeah. in some of these crazy, crazy situations. You know, and so- it's something where I pray for my police officers so much. I, in Providence specifically, I am so fortunate to work with some amazing men and women who keep our community safe. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that they just do a phenomenal job. And so I, I was never a way that I would ever blanket the entire police no, department. You, you got to get rid of them. I, no. I'm sitting in my mind going, if you got rid of the police, Forget that about would us. not be a good day. Forget you know? about it. And, and so, nobody's going to really do that. But They're I'm just, just saying say again, how do we support and how do we... Do this thing. I think as Christians, we pray for our police officers. Yeah. We Amen. we want to have their back and support them, but we also are trying to say, while that's going on, we still believe that Black Lives Matter as well. You know, yeah. so it's, I don't think they're exclusive one or the other. It's no. uh, my police officers are all men and women of color. But so you know it's, what you that, said? That, that's another. But thing. you know what you said? You got to know them. Yeah, you got to yep. know yep. them. I was reading an article in Bloomberg about this that they've they've cut crime. It was one of the uh, Camden, New Jersey, one of the highest crime rates in 2013, and they made some policy changes because they didn't have enough uh, money to hire any more officers. So they made policy changes about how officers interact with their community and how the community mm. interacts with their officers, and they tried to up the level of non-crisis uh, moment interactions yes. between, the, between the police and the community, yeah. and crime has plummeted. I'm telling you, it's been a big difference. What though. if we just got to know our police officers? Yeah. What if we just walked up to them in a non-crisis moment and shook their hand and thanked them for their service and said, my name is this and my name is that, and let's talk. And let's just, even if it's just, hey, my name is, yep. thank you for your service. <clears throat> and the police officer has an opportunity to see you and know you. I mean, let's be honest. How do we all get out of tickets? Let's be honest. We know somebody. <laughs> how do we white people get out of tickets? I was having a different experience in my mind. But I, okay, just, yeah. All right. I got gotcha. you. All right. Yeah. That's all right. how I've gotten out of tickets. You know, I know somebody because I am getting them all the time. <laughs> so... This has devolved. Come Let's back. get back. Let's Come get back, back. <laughs> to the kingdom. We said we were. <laughs> we, do we have another question? We do have another question. Right, let us move on. <laughs> uh, okay. So when looking at the civil rights movement and leaders like um, MLK Jr., 
we saw God call the church to pray, preach the gospel, and engage in action against injustices corporately. Why does it seem that it's being preached at waters? We should only be concerned with preaching the gospel. Do you view seeking peace through justice, pleading the case of the widow, immigrant, and poor as secondary? Is the gospel not multifaceted and moves us to compassion and deed as well? What do you believe the Bible says about corporate lament and repentance? Let, let me start with this one because it is about waters. Um, we have a campus in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We're one of the few churches in the last 20 years, I think one of two churches in the last 20 years, wow. that started a church in that city. That's a poor city. That is a city that needs justice, <laughs> economic justice. I believe that all justice is rooted in the gospel. We establish a city, we establish a church in the city. We love the city through the church, which injects the gospel into the hearts of the men and women that come to that church, and then they go out to their neighborhoods, they go out to their jobs, they go to the school system like you, and they work yep. with honor and dignity and a mindset that every person that I meet and every person that I work with is made in the image of God and someone for whom Christ died. And therefore, I do not get to pick and choose who I like and who I treat with respect. I am a Christian. That, my friends, that's why we preach the gospel. And no, in no way do we ever suggest as a church that we only say we're only going to preach the gospel. I don't know how you got that message when we have a campus in Guatemala, we have a campus that's going to start in Peru, we have a campus in uh, Norwood coming into Fall River, we have uh, fed the poor, we support Providence Rescue Mission. We go, Chris over here takes a team of people from our church every month to go feed the poor at Providence Rescue Mission. Um, We uh, support Bibles to uh, the world through American Bible Society. We take people overseas on missions trips twice a year to make sure that they are enacting acts of justice for areas that are so much worse off than any American. Uh, We have a village that we adopted in El Salvador, India, Haiti, I think, and um, uh, other places. And we are all about making sure that we do not just believe and Mm. preach the gospel, but we live responsibly from the gospel, understanding that the gospel message is not our good works. The gospel message is not our good works. The gospel message is not justice. The gospel message is Christ died for sinners. And when we know that and we preach that, hearts get changed. And I've talked about this on the deep end before. It's a mystery how it happens, but when you talk about this carpenter from Nazareth 2,000 years ago, someone hears it and responds. Mm. Something supernatural happens in their heart, and they are changed into a new being. And then they leave that building, and they go and they do justice. And they leave that building, and they go and they love their neighbor. And and do they do it perfectly? No. No one ever does it perfectly. But we do it better. I guarantee you, wherever you have more churches that preach the gospel, I guarantee you have more fairness, you have more freedom, you have more liberty, you have more rights. Why? Because it's like what Jesus said. It is the mustard seed that goes in and it grows and it subvertly grows amongst the garden plants and then it becomes the biggest garden plant of all. That is the picture of the kingdom Mm -hmm. that takes root when the heart is changed. Look, we can, and we had this conversation, we can put the the, 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 the the police officer who's a racist in jail for life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's justice, right? That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's justice superficially. But his heart is still racist. Yeah, His heart is still unchanged. Now, yep. 
Maybe you're comfortable with everybody that does that going straight to hell. Okay, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. I'd rather see his heart changed. I'd rather see his heart transformed. And I'd rather see other people who could possibly be the future police officer in this situation. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see their hearts changed now so that they aren't that police officer in that situation. In the same situation. So how, how do yeah. we do that? Do we just get, do we yell? Do we shout? Do we scream? No, we preach the gospel because that's the heart change mission. That's a heart change agent right. in everybody. Anyway, how, if you've, if you have that question for us, you obviously have not paid attention to any of the announcements or any of the things that we do beyond the weekend experience. That's all I have to say. I was saying, answer that pretty good. I'm fired. I'm fired up about that because my goodness, please don't ever think that I am only interested in teaching you the Bible. Oh my gosh. I want us to be living the message that Christ has changed me. And therefore I must love you because my, I was an enemy with God and now I must love my enemies. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. You guys talk about that. <laughs> I didn't really have that much more to add, man. Um, but I think the one thing that I saw in there about the whole secondary part, I, I think it's we live it out because Christ puts it inside of us, right? We we can't go around and, and try to fight for different causes and, and to help all these different people in need and, and to have that compassion without Christ changing our That's lives. That's right. And, and so I think you said that perfectly. It's it's really about he, he puts that love inside of us. He changed our lives. And because he changed our lives, we go out into our communities and try to be that difference and because we know that God has given us the strength to do it. And we link up with other believers in that community to just pray and, and then to do. And, and there is action. And I understand that, that people feel frustrated, but here's our chance. Here's our opportunity to rise up as Christians and say, this is how we do it. This is how we love our communities as Christians. And so it, I know with the things going on, I, I come back to the fact that I'm excited about it. I look at it as... Here's our opportunity to really step up, to get into the mix with these other people who are hurting so bad and let them know it's all about Jesus. And because of Jesus, you can do these things. You can push through this adversity. You can make it to the next steps of your life. So what would you add to that? Um, It's only by the grace of God um, that we're able to um, do this and kind of live and respond, that we have the opportunity to be the church um, in this moment protesting for justice is not going to save anybody's soul. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get anybody delivered. It's not going to snatch anybody from the grips of hell. Mm-hmm. As important as it is, mm-hmm. um, there's no spiritual fruit. As the body of Christ, we are called to preach the gospel, to compel men to come to Christ. There, their lives are changed, and they take that gospel and recycle it and spread it and spread it, and the gospel moves. Um, no one receives salvation from a protest, from marching with the sign, from Black Lives Matter. While they're all important, that is not the job of the church. Our job is to preach the gospel and to live out the gospel in a way that the people around us and the communities that we serve see the gospel alive and at work. Um, that's when people's lives are changed. Yeah. That's when people's hearts are changed. And it's only when you receive salvation through Jesus Christ that you have the ability to love your neighbor yes. and to not be a bigot and to not be a racist. And to you can try and convince a racist all day long not to be racist. Right, but right. like you said, if their heart doesn't change, they're still bound for hell. Yeah. So why focus on that one thing when I can give you something that can potentially change, not potentially, that will change your whole life? Yeah. I'm not going to focus on one issue when I have something else that can change your <laughs> entire being. Everything. Yes. Everything. That's it. That's it. Why would I? No, I don't want to change your life. 
I just want you to not be a racist. No, I don't want you to be a racist. I don't want you to be a liar. I don't want you to be a bigot. I want you to serve God and love him with all of your heart. So that's what I'm going to give you. Because when you get that, the love of God, then you can't be a racist. You can't be judgmental. You can't be superficial and material and all of those things. When you really love God and have a relationship with him that is reflected through your actions. And and be careful, young people, that you are not more passionate about the gospel of social justice. Mm than the gospel of Jesus Christ, because right now that gospel of social justice is cool, is acceptable, is something the world can celebrate. Be careful because I see it happening. Yes, you can get behind this and your friends will think you're cool and your friends will appreciate you and your friends will like you and you'll fit in and you'll belong. You'll belong because we all have that need to belong. Mm. But you know what? Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. right. And when you take that picture and you, when you learn about the Bible, when you learn about what Christ did for us, you see that Christ was radical. He, yeah. he was talking to all different types of people. He was talking to women. He, was, he did things that at that time that you weren't supposed to do those things. And, yeah. he so couldn't, and he couldn't fit into a group. Anyone, yep. none, of none of them. The Pharisees couldn't own them. No. The Sadducees, yep. and they tried to. Mm-hmm. Yep. They tried. The, the, the Pharisees tried. The, 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 Pharisees. the Pharisees tried to pigeonhole him against the Sadducees, and the Sadducees tried to pigeonhole him against the Pharisees and yep. the Zealots and the Essenes and all those groups, all those different subcultures of Judaism mm-hmm. tried to take them for his, their own, and he refused. And yep. that's why I say I am not joining the movement. Mm. I am part of the kingdom. Yep. That should be affecting the world. We'd like you to join that movement, right? The, yeah. the, the that kingdom movement. That's the movement. That's the movement. The kingdom movement. movement. Jesus said, yeah. pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for the question. It was another question. Really good. Uh, we do have another question. Uh, I'm not an activist by any means, but I do believe that there's a problem in our country with systemic racism mm-hmm. and that through the media, in particular social media, is bringing to light the underlying systemic racism that is creating such division. As a Christian, I believe we have an opportunity to help. And I think there's this perfect opportunity uh, to have a strong Christian presence, which leads me to my multidimensional question. How do we keep? How do we help create unity between races while while simultaneously sharing the gospel? How do we do that? By doing what we're doing right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Between races. Yes. 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 Um, I'm going to just say one thing very shortly, and then I want you guys to talk. Talk. For some reason in my life, and I was thinking about this before this episode, before today, actually all day today, I was thinking about it. For some reason in my life, I've always had a very close black friend. Always. And is all. And right now it's you. Oh, well, thank you. Moving. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. But anyway, I've always, I always have. Yeah. I win. <laughs> and um, I, I've always loved that. I've, and it's not like I aim for it. It's just, they're my, they're, if you're my brother in Christ, man, there's no, there's no issue. Right. You know, and I want to hear from you and I want you to talk to me. And that's why I value our, we don't see a lot of things eye to eye, but it's in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're wrong and I'm right. And and we're (laughs) (laughs) going to get there. But the point is, is that this is what we're talking. This is what you do. Mm -hmm. Now there are more things that we can do, but this is mainly what you do. You have a friend, you have, you talk to someone, you reach out, you go across the street and you introduce yourself. Yeah. I saw someone, Carlos Whitaker, on Twitter today. He saw that his 70-year-old white neighbor, who he hadn't talked to in four years of living there, painted one of his white rabbits that was on, the, uh, on his lawn. He painted one of them black this weekend. And he's like, I can't believe he did that because they never talked to each other. Mm-hmm. And this guy has the American flag, you know, old white guy. 
So, and Carlos Wigger's black. And so he walks over and he says, man, I just noticed that you painted your rabbit black. And they had an amazing encounter. They met each other and they talked to each other and they ended as friends. Right. (laughs) What else can you do? But I mean, just in society and in social structures, but you guys speak to this. Well, I will just start with saying, I saw this question ahead of time. And the thing that got me excited was her praying about it for two weeks. And I said, just keep praying. praying. That that, that sounds wonderful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we have such an opportunity right now as believers to come together and to support each other, to love on people. Um, So I think I just wanted to start with that. You can take it on from there. Um, <laughs> keep do we praying. need to rep- do we need to rep- uh, it repeat it? Yeah, it was a long it, one. It was a little it was because here's the question: okay. multi-dimensional uh, question. I do believe that there is a problem in our country with systemic racism, and that through media, in particular social media, is bringing to light the underlying systemic racism that is creating such division. As a Christian, I believe we have an opportunity to help. So, so on and so forth. I believe that many people are outraged um, at the racism that's kind of in your face yeah. right now. Um, for me. That's existed since birth, right? Mm-hmm. As a black man, so I'm not shocked okay. by right yeah. what's happening. It's not like, oh my goodness, there's racism. You're almost no. glad that somebody else is noticing, right? The, like, there oh, has been racism. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just captured. Yes, you know, now it's in your face. Now, yes. um, everyone from everywhere is seeing it. As the body of Christ, we are still called to the gospel, to teach it, to spread it, to share it, to live it, and. All of the world's issues will be solved under the umbrella of that gospel if we would just commit to living it and making that our mantra or our movement. Mm. And you said something about how in your friendship you're able to disagree um, and still be friends and still laugh and joke. Uh, I believe that the ability to disagree effectively um, is largely responsible or largely due to maturity. Mm -hmm. Uh, we live in a day and an age. And I said this the other day where if I go on social media and I say, I like apples and oranges, somebody's going to post, well, how dare you not include mangoes and how dare (laughs) you discriminate discriminate pineapples and how dare you not list cherries? Well, I don't like cherries, so I don't have to list them (laughs) just because you do doesn't mean that I have to. And it's okay for us not to agree. Yes. Um, A disagreement should not be the end of a friendship. Correct. A disagreement and opinion about a matter should not be the end of our social media friendship. Um, it's funny. You get a, a, a friend request from someone and you're like, hey, I thought we were a friend. <laughs> when did I become not a friend? <laughs> um, but know, that doesn't right? matter. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. I'm happened? not letting you back in. What did you say? <laughs> Deny. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, at the end of the day, um, we have to be able to disagree. Yeah. Because we're not going to all believe the same thing. We're not, we're not going to all have the same opinion, yeah. but we need to have the same beliefs in regards to the word of God the word of and God. the Bible. Yes. We and, have to. And John and I, and this is what, he, he, he is tonic for me in that he helps me laugh at myself. He helps me laugh at the things, the holes in my own argument. Because every argument, political or sociological, has holes. Yeah. Every single one. And you need to be able to have somebody that can poke at you without offending you and poke the little holes and say, see? He kind of yes. messed up too. You're right. I am messed up. And then I poke back and he laughs and we laugh. Which is but so now funny. we're so sensitive. I I've never seen so many sensitive grownups in all of my life. Yes. Just sensitive. Yes. Just ready to cry at, at the drop. No, grow up. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I, all right. So I'll just add a little bit to that because, you know, I work on being sensitive to my young people and work with that and, and grown people. But it's back to the systemic part. There is a reality that there are certain groups of people who've never experienced what it's like to have a quality education. And some of that has to do with where they live, where they're yeah. born. 
Yep. And if you went 10 minutes the other direction, it's yeah, one of the best school systems around. And mm -hmm. so that's always been a question of how do we change that situation? Why are schools more segregated today than they were just as segregated as they were in the 1960s? How is mm -hmm. that possible living in America? And, and you see that. And so it's something as Christians, we have to address those situations and be willing to come up with solutions to help. Um, I tangible, think one of those practical. tangible and practical, and one of those is being willing to be a part of the solution, getting into these situations and saying, these systems are not right. How do we help? Mm -hmm. um, if, if we have believers out there who don't feel like the police are um, uh, this, this system and they don't like it, be willing to be a part of the change, either support the police or even join in the police force. You know, that, that's how we make the change on the inside. I'm so thankful to have so many believers within our school systems to come together and pray. Um, I remember when, when we lost a young person and, and how the body of Christ came together at my school and started mm. praying outside of the school. And I was like, what? really? <laughs> like, it's so great yeah. to see it. But that's so, action. That's it. That's as Christians, we pray on our knees and ask God to show us what to do mm -hmm. through love. And, and that's how we make changes. I, I really strongly believe that. Yeah, you know, you look at the exilic books of the Old Testament. That's um, Daniel, Esther, Nehemiah. Right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, voices. these, and this is what Christians have got to embrace. We are exiles. Peter calls us exiles in First Peter chapter 1, to the elect exiles mm -hmm. scattered throughout. Well, we are the exiles. This world is not our home. Mm -hmm. We have been exiled to, the, to this area for such a time as this. And as the exiles that were sent off to Babylon and Jeremiah were told, go into the city, pray for the city, may the city prosper, plant gardens, build homes, bless the city, because if the city prospers, you too will prosper, mm -hmm. right? That was what he told his exiles going into Babylon in the Old Testament. And, and Daniel is the guy who's like overseeing them through this 70-year period, and he's in the king's court. Mm -hmm. He's got the right ear of the yep. king. Yep. And I say that, that's why, that's why I say we preach the gospel, because I believe that there are Daniels among us that I'm preaching okay, to who go to the... White House, who go to the state house, who go to the, the selectmen's meeting, who go mm -hmm. to the mayor's office and have the ear of the social leader and affect change through his light and his witness. And that, I think, is so important for us as Christians, too, is to say, don't devalue your position in society. Right. No. I mean, no. we, we, this, is, this is preaching 101. We're always telling you, look, the service doesn't start at 10 a.m. on Sunday. It starts no. at the end of that moment. That's right. That's right. That's when the service starts. Yeah. That's the gathering. And then the scattering is when the church is, we have it on the, on the wall outside. Be the church. You walk out the doors of our church, you're going to see it. Be the church. That means go out there and shine and be someone that is that is loving and caring and working for justice. Absolutely. Because you are a Christian, because you are human, but you are a Christian. Do we have another question? Uh, we do, I think, kind of, sort of. It just says simply, what is God trying to tell the world or the church? Is God trying to say something through this? I I think that's what they're Yeah, implying. I think that what they're thinking is, okay, look, this happened. It was very horrific. It was. It, it's a serious tragedy. Um, you know, nobody wants to watch... The video. I can't watch the video. It's hideous. George Floyd died, uh, was murdered in just a horrific way, and um, I think that's what they're talking about. What What is God trying to say now through this moment to the world, to the church? If you guys were to say, you know, in your opinion, right now, as spiritual men, as men mm -hmm. of the spirit, what is that to you? What is that now? 
It's a come to me moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need me. um, Come to me. That's good. I am the only solution. I'm the only remedy. Rage won't fix this. Yeah. Yeah, No, rage won't. The anger won't. Um, The protests won't. Marching won't. It's the heart of man. Mm -hmm. You know, rewind back to the beginning of our conversation. Um, The only thing that can remedy the heart of man is salvation through Jesus Christ. That will reconcile us back to God the Father. Um, That is what mankind needs, regardless of your ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And it's for this moment, it has been as like, and you brought this up, Marty, earlier, which was it's just been so repetitive with Ahmad Arbery, with um, Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor. Yeah. Um, uh, there was someone else, uh, David Dorn, who nobody is talking about, mm. a black retired African American, uh, black African American police, police captain, officer. who was gunned down during the <laughs> riots and the protests, and his funeral is going on right now. And uh, his life matters. Yeah. And it's like, we, we, you want to name them? Let's name them all. Like, let's name them all. Let's name the people that CNN wants us to name. And then, and then let's name also the people that Fox News wants us to name. Mm-hmm. What was Because they all, <laughs> they all, they all matter. Yeah. They no, do. No. And, and again, I, I think the, the thing that I, again, see the hope in is the fact that we are naming the people who are being killed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, that is important. And you think about how many young men we've lost just over in the last week, right. To gun violence or different situations and, and not just in our major cities, but just all over that don't have this outpouring yep. of love and support. Yeah. And, and that's where we as Christians can come into all of those situations and really speak life into them. Not because again, we're great, but because the God that we serve is great inside of us. And so it's something that again, the I look at this attention that it's receiving right now, and I look at it as it's time for G- Jesus works in this, mm-hmm. right? And He works in this through us yep. by being willing to listen to God and to and to show what the love of Christ looks like when it's applied. And and that's that's my hope. That's what I see right now in this moment. And I see God saying as a pastor, work with us. Can you join the team? Can can you be a part of what we're doing? Can you yeah. can you serve on the weekend? Can you um, can you join a small group and be part of a community? Can you, uh, if you are in small group, can you invite the person of the different color in intentionally? Do mm-hmm. it intentionally. Force yourself to do it if you have to, and learn about each other's humanity. Maybe you maybe you do. We all have bias. I told this to the church on Tuesday. Everyone has bias. Mm-hmm. Everyone is naturally drawn to someone else. Maybe you need to fight that in you right now. And join the team and help us do that as church. Can you serve? Can you be a part of these missions? Can you be a part of these churches? Because that's what we're here to do. I think we've unpacked it really clearly about why the gospel is preached. And it is not ending with the gospel being preached, but being lived out in response to the gospel beyond the walls of our church. So help us do that. That's what I would say as a pastor. That's what I would say as a minister of the gospel. Help me. I need your help. I need, (laughs) need your help. The world is falling apart. The world is a mess. Mm. We know what the answer is. Help us. Help us get the answer out there. Absolutely. Another yeah. question. Are we good? What's up? Been uh, an hour. Just a couple off-topic questions that. Yeah, I so. want to stay on topic. I really yeah, want to so stay no, on topic. Yeah, so no, nothing, nothing right now. Yeah. But we've gone about an hour. You guys, you guys are, have done great. Yeah, you guys are fathers. Um, what are you telling your kids? That's my question for you guys. What are you telling your kids right now? Again, it's where their identity is is in Christ. Um, obviously. Even my kids have had some experiences where people have treated them differently because of the way they look. Um, and I've had to let them know it's not about getting bitter. It's not about right. getting justice in that yeah. situation. It's about 
showing by what's inside of you, your character, by the way you respond to these situations and, and, and to understand where that, that person is coming from too. It's very, very hard to see where somebody else is coming from in a moment where they've done you wrong, where you mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. like they're coming at you. It's very hard to see it from their end. And, and so um, one of my opportunities is, is to really talk to my kids and explain that you, you can't just react. If mm -hmm. you just react, yeah. you, you're no better. Mm -hmm. and, and to really take that time. And, and again, this is why you, you have your faith. You, you take that time to ask God to show you how to respond in these situations. Do not repay evil for evil. That's it. Yeah. Marty, same question. Um, similar answer. Um, just reminding my oldest, my two youngest are too young to kind of know what's going on. Thank God. Mm. Um, my oldest, I remind her that we are the church first. Mm -hmm. um, that yes, the facts and history is what it is. And yes, the feelings that you have are real. Mm -hmm. They're valid. Um, they're fair. But at the same time, that can't be what drives your response or your action. Mm -hmm. Um especially when the outcome is looting and rioting. And that's not what we do. No. That's just not who we are. Um, and so to just make sure that we're first instilling the character of God um, as our gauge or as our filter, not just for this incident, but for life period. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, I'm skating the line where I remind her that you are a black girl and you are beautiful and you'll grow up to be a black woman and you can be and do anything, you know, I'm just affirming her and reminding mm. her of who she is in God. Um, and just making sure that she's aware of that, because if we don't teach our children who they are, mm -hmm. the world will. Amen. Yep. If we don't help them to identify themselves in God and grab that and grow therein, the world will define who they are. And that always ends up being a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> always. Big train wreck. Big train wreck. And guard those children. Guard them because they need you. And dads especially, you guys. That's why I ask you guys, because you're, you're fathers and the... the, the the image that God has chosen to reveal himself to the world is the fatherly figure. He is our father who is in heaven. These are intentional phrases to share. And even in Malachi, he ends the, the last chapter of the Old Testament is there's a curse if fathers and sons and children do not have that connection. Mm -hmm. There's a curse on the land. Yep. And we are seeing that in our yes. culture. And I read a statistic. I, I read the statistics all the time. You know, I get it. I, and I hear the argument. This is the one thing I actually just want to wade into real quickly. Okay. Because I hear the argument 1619. Okay, we all hear that number, right, that, that date. 1619 is why we don't have um, families intact in the black community today. 1619. Mm -hmm. Okay, 1619 was 401 years ago. And let's look at the statistics. Let's get honest with the statistics because 1960 to now, black divorce rates as well as white divorce rates as well as Hispanic divorce rates, I think less in the Hispanic community actually than the other two communities, which have all skyrocketed. Something happened in the 1960s to this country. I, mean, I know we, we talk about it. This is old school preaching. I know. The sexual revolution. This, this por I call it the pornification of our the culture. Country. The pornification where, where, where you're just one thumbprint away from porn. Mm -hmm. you, and, and young girls who can't find a guy. Do you know why? Because he's addicted. He's in this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you can't compete with that. No, and really. so we wonder why guys don't want to get married. We, yeah. we wonder why. I've had men, young men tell me, that I got to wait until I get that perfect body. Are you kidding me? Right, Are right, you kidding? Waiting. Get out of porn. You're in yeah, porn. Yeah. You just told me. You basically just confessed it to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay? Get married, find a young lady, and love her to death, and make babies. Yeah. And then stick it out through through hell and high water. Because you're going to yeah. have hell and high water. Oh, yeah. okay, high, water. Stick it out. <laughs> high water. High water. <laughs> and, and I think that there's a problem with the young generation. They've been pornified. They've mm. been told that marriage should be Pushed off, pushed off until you have your career. Yeah. Pushed off, pushed off until you can afford it. Pushed off, push. 
Now you don't have children. Now you don't experience life, responsibility, yep. the things that you're supposed to experience. Because I've learned, and you guys have learned this, when God wants to grow you, he gives you children. <laughs> when God wants to develop you, he gives yes. you a wife or a spouse. And, and that's how you grow. I am so tired of these Christians saying, I want God to grow me. I want God. To... And they never take responsibility. They never mm. step up to jobs. They never step up to families. They never step Anything. up to these things. Mm. And, and, and young men are unfortunately the, 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 the unintended victims of the pornification of our culture because they don't get married. They issue marriage because they don't see the girl the on the screen yeah. in the girl that they should love. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. And this has been a problem that has grown in our culture since 1960. I don't care what anybody says. It's true. It's mm-hmm. true. We threw off the bounds of sexual mores and we are reaping the benefits and there is something to be said for. I get it. There's something to be said for 1619. I get it. Mm-hmm. But before 1960... Things were much better in terms of black families Family. and white sure, families sure. being together. Today in the black community, 75% of America, 75% of the children are born out of wedlock. 75%. Don't tell me that does, does not have anything to do with it. Yeah. It's 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 a tragedy. It's a tragedy. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray for our hearts to change. And we need to pray against these cultural trends. Yes. That have influenced yeah. our young people, our our generation, our fathers and our mothers, and and we need to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Great. Anything about that you on your end, guys? No, I think you you're really speaking to it I, again. Learning my history and trying to trying to break that down to young people so they can appreciate what they have and and really try to make differences going forward. Has, was a challenge for me because the more I learned uh, the history of communities and, and people specifically within the black community coming to America, I can't lie, I, I got very, very angry. Yes. I was in a bad yes. place. Um, I hear you. To yeah. the point where my own mother, being a, a white woman, can call me a racist, right? Because I could not, I just could not understand how people could treat someone else who has the same body parts, everything else, mm-hmm. but they're darker skinned as an animal. And so it was something that I, I really wrestled with. And, and some of those people, unfortunately, also had on the, they said that they were Christians. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so that is something we can't run from in the Christian community. We have to address the fact that there have been Christians who have failed to follow through of seeing people through the, the lens of Christ. And, and so that, that is a reality that happened for generation after generation after generation of families being broken apart on purpose mm-hmm. so that there was no kind of family structure. Um, and there has been moments, pockets, where the families started to come back together. Um, and instead of trying to rehash that history, I look at it today, yes. just like you said, about yep. children being born out of wedlock. And my biggest thing that I try to do to talk to my young people is to say that you have this opportunity and you might've had a child here or a child there. Be a father, be in that kid's life because you don't understand how much you will change their life. I know you want to make the money. I know you want to do all these different things, but I can't tell you how much it will change your child's trajectory. If you are a loving father to this child. And so that's something that I love getting to do to talk to my young men about what real manhood looks like. And, and, and like you said, we, we see all these different influences on our, 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 our groups of young people. But yeah. if we can just get that message across that this family structure will change the dynamics of your life, your family's life, mm-hmm. for, again, for generations to come. So it's something I, I really try to live out. You know what you are? You're a Daniel. 
And I do have a son named Daniel. I'm not gonna lie. And you're, a son named Malachi. So I'm cheating up here. You're, a, you're, a, so you're an assistant good. principal. Yeah. You're at the right hand side of the leader. I mean, you're there yeah. on purpose. Yeah. You are exactly what I'm talking about as living in, a, in an exilic existence on this earth for the kingdom of God. And you're that voice needs to be heard. That's how mm-hmm. we work for justice. Well, and again, the, the great thing about it is in that position, it's not that I get to pull out my Bible and read it to the mind. Right, students. right. I get to live it out. You live right. it. And I'm, I'm yeah. really trying to say, yes, if you ask me, yes, I am a Christian. Uh, do I go to church? Yes, I go to church. Okay, but Mr. Walker, when that thing happened yesterday, you responded to that kid by, by really finding out what was going on instead of yelling and screaming at him. Yeah, that's how I live out my Christian walk, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the idea is to really point them back to Christ. And and that's what I see. I, I understand as Christians, we want to pray and absolutely we're praying, but we do need to have action. And, yeah. and that action is supporting our, our brothers and sisters that are in that community, in that area. Um, like you said in our last service about getting out of your groups and, and getting to see other people and meeting with them. There's just so much to be said for that. I, I was thinking about your original story about how you were getting so frustrated mm-hmm. and a white gentleman went out of his way to talk to you, mm-hmm. not tell you you were wrong and all right. the other stuff, but to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And from that, how it grew. I think about that if that gentleman had just said all these things to you about how you do this, and I bet you would have even doubled down oh, yeah. on your feelings, yeah. you know? So yeah. I, I just see that how we in the community, in the Christian community, have an opportunity right now like none other to bring the love of Christ into these things by what we do. So, Amen. Well, I want to finish by saying this. Um, uh, one thing that I want you to hear from me as the pastor of the church is that I also have spent a ton of time listening since uh, the murder of George Floyd. I have, t- I have spent a, num- num- a number of meetings, uh, interactions, phone calls, uh, with these gentlemen, with other gentlemen, I, I don't do this with women because obvious reasons I protect the integrity of my pastorate and I'm learning and I'm growing and we're going, and I am hoping that I will be a better leader as a result of all this. That's my aim. So for that, this church, this church can be better. That's what I want to see happen. That's what I want to leave you with. I thank God for both of you. Love both of you. Um, you too, man. Thank you, you so much I for being you. here. Um, it's been healing in my soul just to talk about this stuff, yeah, just to open up and talk yeah. and, uh, to communicate this in front of the church. Why we, why do we do this on the deep end of the weekend? Well, Marty's in Norwood on uh, Sunday. I'm down here on Sunday. And so it's a little bit difficult to, mm-hmm. you know, ma- you know, manipulate all that. So we did this here because Norwood can watch, Woonsocket can watch, North Attleboro can watch. And I hope you do watch and please, please, please listen. Last, last question, I have, last request I have, share this. Yes. Share this. Yes. My, my blog got shared with a bunch of haters. Okay. <laughs> Share so, this. <laughs> Share this. Could, could, could the fans of our church please share this? Yeah. People need to know. <laughs> they need to know who we really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been defined by uh, 500 words <laughs> for the last week. So share this and let people hear what Waters Church is about. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, team. Have a good night. See you next time on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. We pray it helps you grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. If you don't already have a home church, we invite you to come out to one of our campuses this weekend. Check us out at waterschurch.org to find a location near you and a service time that fits your schedule. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of The Deep End with Tim Hatch.